Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. Today, I am speaking with Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Dwyer Hansen about pivoting your destiny through the power of asking. We'll also talk about a simple tool that you can use that everyone has at their disposal to open the door to rekindle your dreams and actively pursue them. Mark Victor Hansen is an American inspirational and motivational speaker, trainer, and author. He is best known as the founder and co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, one of the most successful publishing franchises in the world today with more than 500 million books sold internationally and more than 100 licensed products. His wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, is an international speaker, researcher, corporate consultant, author, and entrepreneur. And together, they travel the world speaking, inspiring, and teaching leadership. And they recently co-wrote a book called Ask the Bridge from Dreams to Your Destiny. I am super excited to dive into today's episode. So let's go. Welcome, Crystal and Mark, to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. So happy to be here, Christy. Good to have you. So I, I remember this, this saying, and I'm not sure who said it, but they said the quality of your life depends on the quality of your questions. And that's what your book is all about. So I'd like to hear from you. Why, why did you write this book? What inspired you? Well, we decided to write Ask because we've traveled around the world to 80 countries, met all kinds of wonderful people, and they've got talents, they've got skills, they've got ability, they've got intelligence, they've got awareness, but the difference in those who just sort of showed up and those who become super successful in whatever their profession is, is one thing and one thing only. They had the ability to ask. They mastered the fine art and talent and skill of asking, and so we said, well, wow, we could write to that. And we, as we did it, we wrote everything we could do, did all the research, it all went wonderful. And then we interviewed 26 superstar askers and voila, a book. And now the book came out just a few days ago, April 28th, and, and uh, it's rocking and the people are changing their lives and we're getting feedback at, at levels even beyond chicken soup where I sold a half billion books. So it's uh, like beyond amazing and we're exceedingly thankful because we really want everyone to know what to do in these harsh times. Yeah, that it is so important. And these are disruptive times. And I feel like there's probably really no going back to normal. And yeah. the buzzword nowadays is pivot, right? And, uh, you know, not sure if this was on purpose or just great syn synchronicity, but one of the chapters in your book is pivot your destiny by asking. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And, um, you know, why it's so important at this, this part of the game on as a planet earth, as we are here on planet earth, why do we do this? Why do we ask about our destiny? 
Right. Well, Mark and I both, when we started um, you know, talking about this book and the ideas for it and, and why asking is so important, Christy, what we realized in our own personal lives is that at times when we've, you know, crashed and burned or been in a really difficult situation, which all of us have, I mean, I, a lot of times people look at people like us and think, oh, you know, it's, it's been easy. It's, a, it's been an easy road and nothing's ever happened, but that's never true. If you look at anyone who has any success um, or achievement, usually the road you've had some really difficult times and some setbacks. And so for us, um, we knew that to be true. And as we look back on some of our most challenging times, we realized it was that ability to ask that brought us forward. And I'm, you know, for me, that time for me was when um, I was very young. I was one of those kids who was, um, I found high school to be very easy and I graduated at age 16. I accelerated my curriculum, graduated at age 16 and uh, married my boyfriend who was five years older than I. Two and a half years later, I'm in a city by myself with a baby on my hip, no job, no idea of what I'm going to do next, no friends and family. And so I applied for food stamps because that's all I could think of. And that day that I was at the grocery store ready to turn my food stamps over for the first time to the cashier, this epiphany hit me. And the first thing that happened was this huge question dropped into my mind. And I felt like there was a, a light shining over my head. All of a sudden, it was like this moment of truth. And the question was, first of all, how did I get here? And followed by a second question that was, are you doing everything you can to get out of this? Or are you taking the easy way out? And the instant my brain asked that question, I knew the answer. And I knew I wasn't doing everything I could to get out of the situation. So as I was turning those food stamps over to the cashier, I was saying to myself, this will not be my future. And I had so much conviction that I felt inside. And I, it was just this literal huge pivot inside of me that I felt so strongly. And I went home and I didn't have the answers. All I had were questions. So I kept asking, you know, like, what could I do tomorrow to start making money? Um, for myself and my little boy, I signed up for, um, I'd heard about, you know, temporary service agents, agencies. And so I registered with those and they would feed you different job opportunities every day. And I started saying yes to some of those. I was working in attorney's offices, filling in and, you know, working at conventions, doing sales. And I really, through that process, discovered a lot about myself. I discovered I love business. I discovered that I love people and, and I was pretty good at sales. So I decided to uh, go through real estate school, got my real estate license and literally a year and a half from the time that I was turning those food stamps over to the cashier, uh, I was working for the largest home builder in our valley. I became the number one realtor. And I was also, I had gone, in the meantime, approached a modeling agency, did some, um, and asked them if they'd sign me. They said yes. And so I'd done a couple commercials that went national. So Screen Actors Guild was paying me, you know, great residuals and my insurance benefits. So it was just the biggest pivot of all time in my life. And it happened at a very young age, but I often thought back to that time, what would have happened had I not asked those tough questions? And even more importantly, had I not answered them honestly? And so I think for all of us right now, it's probably time to ask some tough questions. You know, we're all sort of in a setback, a downturn, whatever you want to call it. It's difficult. Everything's changing. Everything's uncertain that's when you need to start asking those tough questions and be able to answer them honestly. Yeah. 
That's a wonderful story. And I truly believe that we have pivot points that are huge, huge pivot points in our lives. And they can happen multiple times during our life. And then we have this small everyday pivot points that can literally still change the trajectory of our life. It's like, you know, you have a destined course and one degree off, you could land in a totally different continent, you know? So it's... Yeah. The, the idea of these questions is, is so, so important. So as entrepreneurs, and a lot of us are working at home now, you know, you make the point in the book about isolation and I feel like thought leaders, experts, speakers can be the guiltiest of being in isolation and not being bold enough maybe to ask because they're supposed to know everything. So what would be your message to them? What are they what are they missing out on? Well, first of all, let me do a bold ask and then I'll go and answer it. And I'm going to continue on the pivot story too. Is it, first of all, the bold ask is I'd love everyone that knows three people or 10 people that are desperate, depressed, despondent, disconsolate, upside down to not only read the book, but go give one to that person. Because if you help somebody else, you help yourself. That's just the law of universe of reciprocity. It's not a law I made up, but you know, my average chicken soup uh, book in America had a pass along about five and India was passed along 12. And in China, where we've been for 22 years, it's a pass along of about uh, 12 to 15. So sort of amazing because I want multiple people to read the book because I, I, the book will help them pivot. And, and what my whole life has been is that I've always taken adversity and turned it into advantage. And that's what we're recommending to everybody. Take adversity and see the opportunity in it because the yin and yang is crisis equals opportunity. Unequivocally, we are in the biggest, worst crisis ever. I mean, you know, the crisis is now you and I and a few of us that are thought leaders, but 8 billion of us. Yeah. Now, what it's going to take is American entrepreneurial, that's a word you brought up, leadership. And as you know, I've written seven major books on, I've written 309 bestsellers, but seven major books on money, like One Minute Millionaire, where I want to create a million millionaires. And what we're saying is, look, and Crystal will say even more articulately, everyone's got infinite intelligence. And when I was in graduate school, I was with the smartest guy around, Bucky Fuller. Dr. Buckminster Fuller was Einstein's best student. And said, look, there's genius in everyone. And we get unplugged. And what our book does, it replugs you back into your genius, replugs you into your awareness. So you'll pivot and know the businesses that are going to make it. Because right now, this decade, 2020 to 2030, just like after the Depression, we're going to do not 50 billion. We're going to do 50 trillion, spelled with a T, dollars worth of business. And I've written about where all the money is going to be. Like one of the companies we're advisors to is QCI in Michigan. They spent $300 million, 20 years, figured out how to recycle every atom and molecule of metal back to metal garbage, all garbage, right? 10,000 land dumps, water to water, plastic to plastic, you know, uh, glass to glass. These kind of businesses. Right now, that one business needs 22 million Americans. Now, why you asked us about pivoting, whether you like it or not, the airlines have fired two-thirds of all their people. It's not that they wanted to. They squished out all the, the uh, people. I, I set the alarm and, and forgot to shut it off totally. Sorry. Um, for your show, and then I hit it, and it just reconnoitered. <coughs> Anyhow, all those flight attendants, all those pilots, all those uh, management build out of work. And it takes people like us on a podcast like this to say, pivot, you've got to go in a new direction. 
you've got to read a book like Ask that asks you every question so you sequentially go deeper at the three levels we're saying. Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. Crystal asked herself, wait a second, is my life going to be one of a handout from the government and food stamps? And the answer is no, because every one of us has got, if you've got self-esteem, and that's what you've been building with your podcast and what the other leaders and speakers and thinkers and coaches are doing, each of us has to be resilient and strong inside so we can help everybody else be strong in the outside. Did I over answer your question? <laughs> you answered it perfectly. And I, I also want to hear your answer to, you know, well, first, let me just say this. I really believe, I agree with you that entrepreneurs and thought leaders, you know, we need to be even more bold than we have been. Right. And we need to shine a light in, in this darkness that has, like you said, it's never been as chaotic. It's never been as dark. And the things that we're holding back, the things that have been on the back burner, the things that we've been not wanting to say, those are the things that needs need to come out right now. And and um, I I believe that your book lays a, a roadmap to do those soul searching, intuitive questions to find out what why am I really here. And what is it? What is my gift that I really need to be sharing here? It might not be what I've been doing for the past two decades. It and, might and be something what new. Saying, what you're saying is exactly, you know, the big guy said, don't hide your light under a bushel, right? Yes, exactly. Is, this thing you're saying about bold is, is, you know, what did our friend Henry David Thoreau say? Go boldly and confidently in the direction of your desire and your dream and magic will imaginally un magically unfold. Our publisher called us up out of with a great heart and a great soul. We love this guy. And I, you know, and he said, hey, look, here's what the reality is. All the bookstores are closed. They're going to stay closed. There's only one place to buy books. Now, if you want, I don't really want to do this, but we could pull back your book and go in October. And then you're against all the political uh, conversation. We said, no, 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 no. Look, I told you, I take adversity, turn it into advantage. And what we've done is we've been doing podcasts, which I didn't really know about probably six months ago. And now we're doing four or five a day. Now you say, well, wait a second. What has that got to do with self-confidence and self-esteem and self-initiative? It's self-initiative to action. It's self-determination in spite of the obstacle. And we're selling more books than anybody because we're doing it. Because the minute you take action, you build your self-confidence, you build your self-esteem, you build your self-love, your self-image, your self-awareness. You start to feel good about yourself. The more we contract, the worse we are. We're all born over-endowed. Crystal talked to this in a second with 18 billion or whatever the real number of brain cells are, but they need us today to listen close to this podcast, make a decision, and then decide to go out and make provisions in our life that are bigger, better, stronger, more opportunistic, promote ourselves, promote others better than ever, because we've got to come back to work. We've got four viruses. You've got the COVID virus. you got the fear virus, which is what I'm trying to cover with you right now. You've got the whole virus of the economy, which is in a contractive state. It's not an expansive state. I mean, it broke our heart. We went and saw some stores closing and then you got some other stuff. My wife's got a lot to add to that. Well, I just wanted to add that, you know, I, I want to focus for a minute on, on these three channels that we talk about in the book, the three channels through which to ask. And those are ask yourself, ask others and ask God. Mark mentioned that. But it's really important to start um, back to what you were saying, Christy, to start with the ask yourself part, because this, this is our reflective journey. OK, this is the time that we look at our lives and, and basically say, 
we say there are three categories under which to ask because you were asking what questions everyone should ask right now. And it's really more about what super questions we should ask so that we can fill in more, you know, smaller questions. And those three questions that we need to ask ourselves are number one, where am I now? You know, really do that analysis because you can't get where you're going. You can't move to a different place unless you know where you are. You need to understand where you are right now with everything, how you feel about things, what you think about everything, how it's working, how it's not working, the state of the world. So the first set of questions is, where am I now? The second set is, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be going? Right? I mean, really getting in touch with that. If I'm creating my perfect life, what does that look like? And all the questions that would fall under that. And then once you determine all those questions and start to ask the questions and listen to those answers, then the next question is, what specific actions do I need to take to get there? And so those three master questions are so important for everyone to start asking right now because that will start to create the architecture for your life. You, you can't build a new life without a plan. You can't build a house without having architecture, right? Your life is the same way. If we just keep, you know, sort of hurtling through space without direction, right? We feel out of control. Of course we feel out of control because we haven't stopped to slow down, figure out where we are, where we want to be, and the, what are the action steps to get there? And when you start to you know, do that process, you're, you will start to come alive. It is, it is truly magical, this asking process. It's such a simple tool, but so profoundly transformational. And that's why Mark and I wanted to write this whole book on it. Because you know, we realized like, this is the thing. This is the answer. And we say in the book, asking is the answer ironically, right? right? And I love how you formulated the questions too, because you started with what we get tripped up when we ask why questions, why am I here? That's a dead end road. Right. We will never get the true answer to that question. But if we can understand the what and ask what questions like you laid out there, that's brilliant. And I'm glad you did that. And I totally agree with you guys. Um, Mark had said about expanding and contracting. Yeah. It's true. Even in nature, we are even the plants, anything growing animals, they're either growing, living or contracting and dying and asking ourselves, what side are we on right now? Is right. truly, yeah, go ahead. And it, it's the most exciting time ever. One of the stories we have that sort of explains the isolationism and the entrepreneurship that you talked about is Jim Stobel, who is a superstar now, but when he was 19, he was strong, he was fast, he had endurance, he wanted to be an NFL player, he gets recruited, and a doctor comes back after the medical and says, kid, I'm sorry, but in six months, you're going to be totally, permanently, and forever blind. Well, now he's self-incarcerated in a 9 by 12 room, and he's got three things. He's got a telephone, a television, and a radio, and he's complaining, and his mother says, Jimmy, off to the blind meeting, maybe they can tell you something. Well, he gets there near an echo chamber of negativity, so... What, let me just do that one, and then I'll do the big point. The little point is you got to shut off media. If 15 minutes of negative media is all any of us can really absorb because your mind is is uh, self-suggestible. So you want to inundate it with positivity and, and the kind of books and tapes and videos that we make and you make and the people in this industry make. Um, 
So he goes as blind meeting, fortuitously sits with a great woman named Kathy, who's a blind stenographer. And he said, you know, in the old days, man, I just, I love watching movies and I can see somebody throw a right hook. Somebody ought to narrate that. She just got up and asked the question that pivots everybody. Wait a second. We're somebody. Why can't we do something? Now, everybody watching or listening or thinking about this has something that needs fixing that is cashable with a substantial profit on it. So what they created was blind TV. It's called narrative TV. And 10 million people, sorry, 14 million people pay $10 a month. That's pretty serious, big business. And that would be great. But a while back, I get invited to, I'm selling 15 million books a year. And, and I get this, it said, you got to read this. this is going to be the best book you ever read called The Ultimate Gift. And would you write the forward to it in the endorsement? I go, wow, I read it. And I was just so touched. I did both. But on the back, I wrote, this book is so clear, so visual, it has to be a movie. Well, it became a movie and made $100 million for me. That's why I teach people, they can go to my website and learn how I teach people to write books, because everyone's got a book in them, and it, and it can be profitable in a multiplicity of ways. Well, Jim says, if I live to be 100, there won't be a day I don't wake up praying and thanking you coming into my life for my books and my movies. But he, and we interviewed him for our book, Ask, which I, I suspect we sent you a copy, electronically or otherwise, and The Bridge from Your Dream to Destiny. He wrote a, the best last line ever. He said, I, as a blind guy, I now write books that I can't read. And I make movies that I can't watch. So the biblical line is what you meant for my harm, God meant for my good. And what each of us has got to do is rise up to that penultimate of stories and find the entrepreneur inside of us that takes low value, makes it high value to the marketplace, the future, and creates a fortune for yourself and your family. Yeah. And I, I really feel like we're, we, we've been in this place for a couple of years, but what I will say is we've been in this place of how can I make more money as opposed to how can I serve, how can I serve more people with my message? And this, there's a shift. There's definitely a shift going from transactional type marketing to transformational and transcendental marketing. And, and that, <laughs> that story is unbelievable. A great share. And it's the same principle, you know, when, when something really tragic or terrible happens, you know, ask the questions. When you start asking the questions, those answers will pull you right back out if you're listening, if you're paying attention. Um, but I love what you said about transformation, you know, sort of refocusing. I think, yeah, when people feel vulnerable, it does sort of bring your humanity out. But it's interesting because Mark and I are creating a new course called Ask for Riches. And, you know, we, we say in the course, you know, we, if you, so riches are about mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you wrote down, you know, what you would be doing if you were rich and successful, right? What if you just started, sat down and said, okay, I'm, I'm pretend you're already rich and successful, like you want to be, what would you be doing with your time? Who would you be talking to? You know, what thing, types of things would you be enjoying? Um, what types of projects you, would you want to engage in? Oftentimes when people do that, they realize that it's not so different from their life now. It's not like, you know, they want to become this billionaire with three yachts. It's just, right. so, so I think that's an important thing is, you know, that the gratitude piece, like ask yourself every day what you're thankful for, you know, 
what things you have to celebrate because we all have that. And it's, and, and mindset is so important. If we don't first start with gratitude, with realizing gratitude is nothing more than realizing what you have, like noticing what you have. And if you don't stop to do that, you probably won't attract anything else. And if you do say you attract all the riches you ever wanted, you, you won't be any happier if you don't have the ability to feel gratitude because you won't notice that anyway. You won't acknowledge all the good in your life if you're not already doing it. So it always starts from asking yourself what you have now that's valuable, important, and wonderful to you, you know? But it's, a, it's an amazing exercise. And also as a transformational life coach and clinical hypnotherapist, I teach people that in spite of all this chaos that's going around, outside, you know, we're all looking at that and and it's easy to take your cues from that. It's easy to get upset and depressed and freaked out actually. Um, But like Mark said, we need to shut that off. We need to really limit that because that is programming our mind. It's programming our mind in a, in a fear-based way. And that's really going into our primitive brain. When we get into fear, we start to go into primitive brain instead of creative brain. So we shut that off and just start to imagine the life we want. If, if you don't shut that off, you will be programming your mind to exactly the opposite of what you truly want. So that's how critical it is. You, it's so important to check out of the negativity and start to focus on everything good, focus on what you're grateful for, ask the questions, if I were perfectly rich and successful, what would I be doing? And, you know, and then those three sets of questions that we talked about, because that starts to shift your paradigm immediately. It's, it's just a fascinating process. Yeah. And the ironic thing is if you want to have an exponential business, as opposed to a linear business, it, it really involves seeing what's underneath the riches are underneath. I just wrote a post about this the other day. It's, it's connecting within and, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a line that, uh, you know, seek you first, the treasures in heaven. And, right. you know, when you place your emphasis there, all the earthly monetary rewards will follow. If you can truly look within, really get to know your gifts Mm-hmm. And and not just what you think you are and what other people have told you are, but learn who you really, really are. Um, there's there's definitely things you're not not expressing yet in a message, in your brand, and your marketing. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful when you can put your emphasis on the on the right. On, not not that monetary is not right, but priorities, right? Priorities. Right. That's why the ask God part is so important because what Mark and I discovered, we spend the first morning of our day in prayer and meditation. But my favorite question to ask is, God, what is the greatest expression for which you made me? Because when you do that, it's not just focused. You're not just focusing on you and what, what, what can I get? And what, am you know, it's like, what did you make me for? What's my greatest expression for which you made me? And how does that fit into this universe? How does that fit into this sort of kingdom purpose, if you will. And when you do that, it actually makes you a lot happier because it's not fun to be totally self-focused. It's not, it's not fulfilling when you, it's sort of like pulling, you know, if you're focused with a camera on something really dark and bad, like a big bug or something, and then you, you pull the camera back and you see all the beautiful landscape and everything amazing around you. That's, that's what the asking God part is like, 
How do I fit into this magnificent world, this magnificent plan? And how can I be that greatest expression for which you made me? That is a beautiful question. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. So, so how does that work? We're saying, ask yourself, ask others, ask God. And when Jack and I wanted the right title for Think and Grow Rich, we had the wrong title, but we had a great book and ultimately got 144 for rejected. Soup. Yeah, for Chicken Soup. I said Jack. You said Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Oops. I did not write Dr. Hill's book. I did not. I read Maybe it. you I did. Maybe you were his muse on the other side. <laughs> we don't know. By the way, I, I am for sure amused by him deeply, profoundly, and prophetically. So that's good. I never said that before. I don't think. <laughs> How fast it am I okay. moving too fast, right? You're thinking, yeah. it's okay. So Jack and I said, how do you get to the depth, which everybody listening has got to go to the depth of, because the subtitle of our book, Ask, is the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. And, and so our destiny was coming up with the right title because we wanted to sell all those books. And so in our respective homes, Jack was in Santa Barbara at the time. I was in Newport Beach. Now we're in Scottsdale, but Arizona. But we asked 400 times, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title. He calls me at 2.30 and says, chicken soup. I said, for the soul. We got it. We got goosebumps. We knew we had a home run title because chicken soup was what mom or dad gave you when you're sick to get well. And we thought the soul of America was sick. Now, what we discovered, obviously, we sold 374 million books in China. The soul of the whole world is sick. The point is, everybody's got to ask God, what's my, what's your destiny for me? What, like Crystal's question. But if you ask it 400 times, you go into the, you permeate, penetrate, fill the inner spaces of your own mental inner muse. You attach to God and God will come through. But you've got to be ready in the middle of the night, like we teach in a book with pen and paper, because it comes at the most use. You go, come on, God, tell me in the morning. Don't tell me at three. Right. I want to stay asleep. What are you doing? No, you are primed and ready in sleep because you're in that state. But I even have a waterproof pad in the in the shower because I don't want any more ideas going down the drain, right? right. Oh, that's a great idea. I never heard they do, of that. You're, when you're silent and still, whether you're in the shower or sleep, I mean, sleep especially because your brain's, your, your conscious brain, right. um, your beta thoughts have been shut down. And so you open up into that alpha sort of beta state and all everything can flood in all this awareness that's available to us. God is always trying to talk to us. You know, there's so much information. There are so many clues if we stay awake and alert and open to those. Yeah, I agree. And I, I want to also touch on what Mark just said about creating that bestseller title. I think this is a brilliant way to create. And I, I found, and I actually, I, I don't know if this is a term, but I just, I quantum create. So I imagine it's already been created. Like the bestseller has already been created and I'm just asking my future self and God, like, what's the name of this product? What's the name of this book? What's, you know, and and I tell you, the best ideas come, the most creative ideas. And it just, ones that give you goosebumps and you're like, yes, that's, that's it. And uh, all you got to do is ask, right? Yep. And, and Absolutely. So, that, that's a perfect process, Chrissy. I love that. It's yeah, exactly. And, and the guy who really teaches the quantum and that better name, the smartest guy at, at he runs Google X as a guy named we've been on programs with Dr. Ray Kurzweil and, and Kurzweil has partnered obviously to do singularity university with Dr. Peter Demandis is also a friend, but mm. what he says about it is linear. What you're talking about is you take 30 steps and you're 30 steps ahead, right? That's linear. Exponential is two, four, six, mm -hmm. eight, 16, 32, but 
if one dollar, you start with one dollar and you exponentialize it in 30 revolutions, it becomes one billion dollars. And that's the times we're in. Our parents and our grandparents didn't have that available. 20 years ago, there's no billionaires. And now we got 2,894. And that's why when I wrote One Minute Millionaire, I said, we back to your butterfly thing and transformation is that we said, you cannot look at a caterpillar and predict butterfly, right? You can't do it. It's not in the cards, but butterfly is a universal symbol of freedom. And one level of freedom is learning to ask, go deep in your asking. And that's why every school ultimately reveres one guy, Socrates, who never wrote a thing, but asked all the prevailing questions. And, and I used to think I was a Socratic scholar, so this fits pretty well. But a guy named Plato wrote down everything that Socrates said, and then he taught it to Archimedes, and, and, and Archimedes taught it to Alexander the Great so he could conquer. They didn't ask the right questions. They thought they conquered the whole world, but they conquered just a little piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And and it's so true. When we're, when we're in this life of creating our destiny, it, it, you definitely have to ask those questions and really, you know, ask yourself too, like, what are my dreams? I think a lot of us have just been along the path and we've, we've forgotten them. We've forgotten what, you know, our 10 year old self said, you know, or what we enjoyed doing when we were a child. And a lot of times the clues are in our past. It's so true. And I'm glad you brought that up, Christy, because in the book, we talk about the seven roadblocks to asking. And all of us have a, at least one of these roadblocks, if not more. And those are unworthiness, which is just, you know, childhood conditioning that kind of makes us feel like we don't deserve more. Um, naivete, we just grew up and just literally aren't aware of what's possible because we weren't exposed to it before. Um, doubt, where we just have the subtle doubt that like, any good is going to come from asking, you know, even asking others. Um, excuses, which are really about sort of that stubborn pride. You've known people who are like, no, I don't need any help. No, I, I can figure this out. I've got all the answers, right? And so just from this, they just make these excuses and it's all just pride. It's just stubbornness. And they're, they're leaving so much on the table. We, you know, when we do that, when we get into our pride and our stubbornness, um, fear is the next one, which is just like the sheer terror of rejection, basically, because, and I think that comes down to human beings need for love. We all need love and approval. And some people feel so they're so fearful of that rejection because they feel like somehow they're losing love. Um, and then next one is pattern paralysis. How many people do you know that just get stuck in this pattern and you're looking at it and going, that doesn't work. Why do they keep doing the same thing over and over? Never questioning the pattern, right? It's looking at that, our patterns and going, wow, I am paralyzed in my, into this paradigm by my own pattern paralysis. And the last one is disconnection. And for me, that is one of the saddest ones because that is really about disconnecting from the dreams in your heart, you know? sort of giving up on those dreams. It's, it's sort of an apathetic state. And that's tragic. None of us should give up on the dreams in our hearts because we're here to fulfill those dreams. We're here to unlock those dreams and to start crossing that bridge to our ultimate destiny. So we have some amazing stories around each of those um, roadblocks. And I think it's funny when people read those, they see themselves in those people who shared those stories. But that is the way we start to heal. 
And it just starts with awareness of, you know, awareness is like a gigantic gate that opens up a new, a new possibility, a new potential. And um, that's why we love the use of stories. I mean, stories are metaphors for our own lives. They're, they're like a pattern that we can follow. And so um, I think the stories have been really powerful for a lot of people throughout the book. Yeah, we learn best through stories. Stories and archetypes are embedded in our subconscious mind. It's part of the collective unconscious, like Carl Carl Jung, the founder of psychology, talks about. And uh, yeah, it's super smart. You have so many stories in the book because that that really is how people will learn and retain. So that's good. So Mark, uh, you talk about the punchline. What's the punchline? Okay, so we have a great story in there by a wonderful friend named Dan Clark, who you probably know, and you probably heard him speak. And he did, he gave us a couple of stories in the original Chicken Soup of the Soul book that were just uh, beyond. Like, I wish I had a brother like that and, and Bopsy. And what happens is that he is also a gold medal uh, Nashville singer, which most people don't know. He's six foot five, bigger than life, and a great storyteller. But what happened is that he says, what makes your life work is if you start with a punchline. So whether he's writing a story like Bopsy or a brother like that, or writing a hit song again, and he's got like 400 of them or something, but I don't know the number, but a lot. And then he always starts with a punchline. And what we say in our book is you start at the end. Where is it you want this story to end up? And what we wanted to do is uh, the punchline for us and, and adding what Dan said is the punchline is we want everyone to master the fine art of asking. And the way we're gonna do that is we ask everybody after they get a book to read it and then go to askthebookclub.com and join our book club, it's free. And once a month, we're gonna answer any question you could possibly have and until the people are exhausted or we are one of those <laughs> two, I don't know which will come first. But we really want the world to, to be able to flex the, our metaphorical muscles, uh, biceps and triceps in our brain and soul and mind and heart, and, and really get this thing of asking down because it'll profoundly and prophetically change your life, especially as we're trying, like you started this show, to re-pivot to go to a higher, better, stronger, more important place, more meaningful, purposeful. Yeah, that's so true. Because what's it all for? I think all of us kind of reach a point where maybe we've received all the status or the money or the possessions or the family or the accolades that we could ever ask for. And we ask ourselves, well, what, what is this all for? And we've, we, you know, if you haven't hit that point yet, you know, uh, it might be coming unless you ask these important questions, right? <laughs> well, we did a story. We interviewed a guy and it's two parts to a story. A guy named, one of our neighbors who hired me for the first time 40 years ago to speak to his real estate guys. Now he's a billionaire, but, but he sat with one of his best friends, Greg Haig is his name. And now he owns 72-hour uh, real estate, which is an amazing uh, electronic uh, real estate company, but a uh, virtual company. But it is amazing that Greg has got everything. He's got nine motorcycles. He's got two jets. He's got two mansions. He's been around the world. And he's feeling sort of bored, all of mm -hmm. what you're saying. And he sits with his best friend and he said, hey, uh, something isn't right. You know, I got everything anyone could possibly want. And I don't have, what I, What am I asking? He said, what's your definition of happiness? Is that the best question? So and good. So Greg said, well, uh, I don't know what my definition of happiness is. So uh, do you have one? And he says, yeah, happiness is being passionately on purpose about something that is meaningful, insightful, and beneficial to you personally. And every day you got to wake up and reignite that. And that's why 
Crystal said every day we wake up and, and together we do out loud verbally a, an hour of prayer and meditation. Second thing that happened with Greg, though, because he read our book, read the story about Bob Proctor. We can go into that if you want. And all of a sudden he saw his own lack of self-worth when he was little. He said, and he called, we're on, a, we're on with all of his people like around the country. And he's got a big company. And, and he said, would you talk to all my people about ask? And we did it. And he said, he came back in, while we were interviewing. He said, I just got it. In eighth grade, I weighed 200 pounds. Now he's a beanpole. He's a little, he's tall and skinny, but very fit. He exercises very diligently. A wonderful guy. And he said, but I was 200 pounds in eighth grade. And I wanted to ask that girl next door out to the eighth grade prom. And I told my dad, her dad was named Chubby. And that's why he was imitating his dad. He became Chubby because he thought that was the way to get roller. And he said, every night I'd go back to that phone and the phone turned red and it turned evil. It turned angry. And I just couldn't call the neighbor next door. And then he said, the worst part of my low self-esteem and my low self-worth is I went, dad says, well, did you call her? Did you call her? Did you get the date for the prize? I said, he said, I, the worst case, when you got low self-esteem, I lied to dad. He said, I, I can't forgive myself. Dad's gone, so I can't apologize. So I apologize to him in heaven. He said, I, I, I told him, no, no, no. She's going with a football player. She wouldn't go with a fat kid. And he said, man, I didn't know I had bad self-worth and had to overcome it. it. just That's why it's so amazing what you just said is to read stories, to read parables, to read metaphors. And, and what happens is all of a sudden you get the story and you go, I got it. I can change. And and, and then you also can forgive yourself for some of the stuff like Greg got sucked into and didn't know he was. And his dad, a brilliant man, I'm sure, like Greg is, didn't know enough to see that his son was in high hurt. I love that. Yeah. And we, I mean, we can go further into that story that you mentioned previously, if you'd like. Which you one? Mentioned, oh, now Bob I forgot. Proctor. Yeah, the Bob Proctor story. Do the Lynn Marquis for some dude, Bob Proctor. Yeah, I think, okay. you know, just since we're talking about asking others right now, because I, I just love the story, but because so many of us are afraid to ask others. We did a lot of research for the book and it showed like going into the study, um, people's perception would be that if they ask someone, you know, they'd appear to be pushy or obnoxious, so they don't ask, or they might appear if they're asking for information or advice or asking too many questions about something they don't know, they might appear to be ignorant, stupid, uninformed. So because of those reasons, people don't ask. They don't ask others, the second part of asking, the asking others part. But the truth of it is, the studies revealed that if you ask somebody for something, for help, for information, for advice, you are 80% more likely to get your, your needs granted, to get your request granted. So really, I mean, science is showing us there's no reason not to ask. Uh, so it's um, so important to get over those roadblocks that we all have. Um, it also showed that if we're, and this is back to the curiosity part that we started in, uh, you know, talking about in the beginning, that people who, when you're with your business colleague or, or a date or anyone, if you ask more questions, you are perceived to be more likable. And in the dating scenario than the study that Harvard did, Daters who asked more questions of the other person were more likely to get a second date. So it's so important to ask those deep probing questions to others and really listen to the answer. This is part of the connection thing. Part of being a resource to one another is, you know, don't just ask the question, then move on to yourself, you know, yeah. and it applies into it to business as well. Um, if you're, if you're, if you want to sell something, a lot of people go in, we have a great uh, story with Preston Weeks who says, you know, they, they, 
cut this, capture this big behemoth. They beat out a big behemoth in business because they didn't go in and just try to sell, you know, here's our stuff. Here's how great it is. This is what I want to sell you. That, that never works. The best thing to do is to go in and ask them what their needs are. What are your needs in a perfect world? What would you like to see? What would, if you could have everything, you know, done the way you wanted it to, to be done, what does that look like? And then you just try to fill their needs. So the asking part is so important. Um, so back to Lynn Marquis' story, Lynn was a woman who came out of college and knew exactly what she wanted to do. She knew she wanted to go into the nonprofit space. She just loved it. She loved the idea of helping people, making a difference. So she um, decided to put this summer camp together for disadvantaged kids because it's very hard for the parents of those kids. They can't afford camps and there's nothing to do. And then camps are very expensive. So she put together this fantastic camp that went on for a long time, um, but it was expensive. It was $5,000 per child. So she finally made an appointment with the richest woman, the wealthiest woman in her town. And she was so excited, but so nervous. This woman controlled um, like a very large family trust. So she showed up in the woman's office and she was so nervous, so visibly nervous. She said, I was, I was physically shaking. I couldn't hide it. So I just said to her, look, I'm so honored to meet you. And I'm, I'm really nervous. I just have to let you know. And the woman was very kind. She's like, oh no, just you know, sit down put her at ease. We're fine. Just, you know, tell me what you have going on. So she told her about the camp, how wonderful it was, how much it would help the kids, um, how, you know, it could have really improved their lives. And she said, the woman said, okay, so how much are you asking for? And she got really nervous again. She goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for, f -f 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 she stuttered. She said, I literally stuttered. I said, for $5,000 because, you know, it's expensive. That's how much it costs to, to take care of each kid. And the woman said, okay. Um, and how many kids do you have? And she said something like 285 or something like that. And she goes, I'd like to underwrite all of those kids. <laughs> and, you know, it's just such a beautiful story because she could have been so scared that she just decided not to do it. You know, like I'll never be able to do this. This is too big. This is too intimidating. But sometimes we're going to feel that fear and we need to step on that fear with courage and just ask anyway, because you have nothing to lose and you have everything to gain, you know, and we're each other's best resources. We might as well give it a, give, you know, give ourselves the opportunity to grant one another's wishes. I love that. Yeah. And curiosity is so key even now. Um, you know, when you see people fighting on social media, you know, my way, no, my way, no, my way. I mean, if you could just ask, well, why do you think that way? You know, what is, well, how would this look if it looked differently? Just like you were saying, we'd yeah. solve so many problems so quickly and disperse any anger and negativity just by being curious. And, and by the way, when love you that. ask the question, Earl Nightingale, I got two or all of Asia with him and he was the guy who created Nightingale Conan. I got a lot of tapes that are audios that I love the company. And Earl said, if you ask most people what they think, they would be speechless. So a lot of those people you ask, well, why are you so mad? They, they've been infuriated and they don't even know why. And they can't go deep on why they're infuriated, right. what they're infuriated about, which is, which is, will wake them up to start studying it, which is why we want everyone to read, ask, and then really do the work because all of us have limitless possibilities, but you've got to be positive to get to them, not yes. negative. And, and America has got its foibles, but we still got the best system ever for everyone, black, white, red, or yellow. It just is a great country. And that's why nobody's trying to swim from here to Cuba. I promise you. 
But a lot of Cubans are trying to, sw- I don't know what your ethnicity is. I don't think it's Cuban, but you know, no, very few people are trying to swim here. Yep. It's so true. And, and the American dream is still alive because it lives within us, you know, and it's up to us to protect the infrastructure that guards that. So yeah, very, and very cool story too. Gosh, that was five grand times 285 people. Right. Yeah. She, she said, blew her away. So blew her away. And she had no idea that, that, that you know, her, her wish would be granted to that size. So it just, I, I just love that story because we should always just never hesitate to ask. You might, you might be rejected. You know, we're all going to be rejected, but you also might have something fulfilled beyond your wildest, wildest dreams. So don't hesitate to ask. And uh, like that metaphor uh, of the asking it shall be opened, the doorknob is on your side. It's not on the other side. It is up to you. And all of us are going to get rejected. When I went bankrupt in 1974 and I lost $2 million in one day, I literally had to check a book of library, how to go bankrupt by yourself on the courts of the Eastern Long Island. And the guy, a lawyer, an ambulance chaser comes up and says, buddy, I can get you bankrupt for $300. I said, pal, if I had $300, I wouldn't go bankrupt. <laughs> that's how fast this is switched for a lot of people, yeah. you know, that, that, that they're having to pivot and they're having to rethink it. Well, fortuitously, I was sleeping in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room. And all of a sudden, you know, I was asking myself, what do I want to do? Well, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life changing difference. So I go down to my three roommates. I'm living in Hicksville. What appropriate name? Long Island, New York. And I said to my roommates, hey, I want to be a speaker, I think. Do you know anyone who's young that's not a cotton top, that's not a lawyer, that's not famous, that's not a celebrity or medical doctor? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kid is out talking in Hawpaw, Long Island. Here's my ticket. I can't go. And it's a half hour away. I jumped in. The only thing the bankruptcy courts had not taken, a beat up old $400 pitted window, permanent air conditioning, Volkswagen. Man, I raced out there for three hours. This wonderful guy, Chip Collins, who became my best friend, just mesmerized the audience. At the end of which I asked him, I walk up and I said, Chip, Tell me how you do what you do. Now, he'd been the top salesman at Kodak. He's years older than me. But he said, I said, I'll take you to lunch. I'll buy you lunch. And uh, he said, look, kid, if you'll stay out of real estate, that's my market here in the five boroughs. I'll teach you how to do it in life insurance. He told me exactly what to do, how to do it. And he said, I'm not ever going to see you again. The chance you make it is one in a thousand. I said, no, no, you don't know my desire level. If you got white hot desire, if it's a magnificent obsession, you are unstoppable. I was unstoppable. First three years. Only Tony Robbins and I, as far as I know, did a thousand talks a year. Remember what I said, to get self-confidence, you got to take massive right action to overcome every obstacle, to overcome every doubt, indecision. You got to keep asking yourself, how can I do it? Not how can I do it? Because the subconscious doesn't care, right? They'll figure out positive, how to, I asked the wrong question. How do you go bankrupt? I went bankrupt. Anyhow, I did a thousand talks. I was doing them as early as six in the morning, as late as 10 at night. In between, the only thing I had to do is sell more seminars. And I learned the industry. I listened to all the tapes. And that's the other thing. I said a minute ago, you got to shut off all the negativity, but you got to rewrite to get rid of a bad habit. You got to transplant it with a good habit. And a good habit is you got to watch positive podcasts. You got to read positive books like the ones we write and listen to positive audios. And both of us have a ton of audios at Nightingale Conant and all those places. And, you know, I'm going to put in a, a shameless pitch. If you haven't read, listened to my tapes, how to think bigger than you ever thought you could think. It'll wake up the bigness of your soul because the first thing you ask about questioning, one of the lines I wrote in the book is obviously the size of your question determines the size of your result. 
when the publishers read my wow of a business plan and said, you're going to sell a billion books, get out of here. You haven't even sold a million. I said, yeah, but I will. And, and I wrote down, we sell a million and a half, a year and a half, and we did it. And then a five million in the year and then 10 million and then 15 million a year. So you can do anything, but it's gotta, you gotta back to our asking, ask what is it you want? And then number two, you gotta ask yourself, do I have it in writing there? I'm looking at it regularly and we teach in the book, you know, make a little three by five card and write, I am so happy. And then whatever it is, in our case, Jack and I, it was, I'm so happy I'm selling a million and a half, a year and a half. In this case, we think we got to help a million Americans get out of the do, get out of the despondency, get out of the depression by Christmas of this year, because our ship is is sinking because of a lot of lies that are being told right now. And and the government's got to open up. And when it does, you've got to be rip roaringly ready. You've got to be physically strong, mentally strong, spiritually strong, and you've got to go attack whatever business it is you with vim, vigor, vitality, excitement, and and stay excited. And the only thing that saved me when I was bankrupt, driving around that Volkswagen until I got money going, was back then we had big tape recorders called Sony. They were this big. I remember. You remember those? Yeah. Okay. So I remember holding it up to my ear. And I'm sure I look stupid because I'm in a floor and a floor going like this. That's awesome. But it worked. And I'm here today, yeah. knock on wood, to tell everybody we all have to find our own acres of diamonds, that inside treasure that you called. Because the big guy said, Look, where I am, you may be, and there's dimensionality to that. And our inner dimensionality is what allows the outer dimensionality to manifest. So well said. Well, let's wrap up here. I love it. Well, you just made it up, you said? I did make that (laughs) up. Well, we got an exclusive on a really good quote there. So (laughs) write that one down. That was good. So why don't we wrap up and and you tell us how we can learn more about your, you each have businesses, I mean, multiple businesses and, and books and, and audible and all that. Tell us about that. And then end us on a final thought or a final nugget of wisdom. Perfect. Okay. Christy. So I'll go first. So, um, a lot of people are needing a little help. I have my website, crystalvisionlife.com. Um, I have a lot of audios that are available, you know, freedom from anxiety, living free of depression, uh, the Garden of New Beginnings, things that are just great tools. Um, so you, you know, check out my website and click on those. It'll take you to Audible. You can see what's there. There's also a free audio um, that's called Purge Messy Thinking. So that's free. So go to my site and get that. Purge Messy Thinking, um, Crystal Dwyer. It, it's crystalvisionlife.com. On, so my website is. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, all of the above, Instagram. I'm Crystal Dwyer Hansen. And Mark is, of course, Mark Victor Hansen. Um, and then the book, of course, Ask. I, we just really hope everybody gets this as a resource. Um, I don't think there's a better time for us to be able to use this tool. And if you get the book and you want to join the book club, pl- club, please go to Ask the Book Club. After you get the book, go to askthebookclub.com. And you just, yeah, we'll send you an invitation. Just put in your email. So, yeah, as far as a final nugget, I would say that truly there is no mechanism that has the ability to reveal what is hidden like asking does. So please take that time with yourself every day to sit down and ask yourself all of these questions and then really um, have the honesty and strength and courage to follow the answers. I love it. Thank you both. 
And then mine is, as she said, is Mark, M-A-R-K, Victor, V-I-C-T-R, Hansen, H-A-N-S-E, in a Danish way, dot com. And you, you can watch the videos and, and we really will help you. We'll give you some free stuff. But it, it is up to you to do all this greatness. And what we found is ask is literally the bridge, the only bridge. There's no other bridge. There's no easier bridge. It, it comes as standard operating equipment at birth. And yet until we've written it so people could see it and we, and we are broadcasting it, people are going, holy cow, I can ask how rich I want to be. I can ask how healthy I want to be. I can ask how happy I want to be. I can ask how the relationship, I mean, after I went through a very painful divorce, I wrote down 200, I asked myself, what do I want my idyllic woman? Uh, and I wrote down 267 things I wanted. And I never told her until after we got married, but I put down victory purple. You never cross out your goals. You just add to them and purple's God's highest color, top of the rainbow, all that good stuff. And the electromagnetic spectrum, we can go on and on. But the fact is, she was 267 on 267. <laughs> and it comes true because you figure out by asking what do you want and by putting it in writing, visualizing it. And then that secret ingredient is you got to take ACTION action to go manifest. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.